0: Please and turn with me uh, to Titus, the book of Titus, chapter number one. We're starting our new series, A Gospel Shaped Church, the book of Titus, chapter number one. And uh, we have uh, four verses to look at today, but honestly, we're only going to get through one. But we'll read four verses. So if you would, uh, when you get the verse there, verse number one. Titus 1, 1 through 4. Let's stand as we read God's word together. And um, I'd like for us to read all these verses out loud and together, starting in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness... In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Father, I pray that you bless your word today. Lord, you are faithful to us. Lord, we ask that you would uh, work in our service. I pray for many decisions this morning. I pray that you would guide our lives, uh, that we would have a gospel-shaped church, a gospel-shaped community. But that starts with us being focused on your will and what uh, what you want done in our lives, in our churches, in our communities. I do pray that you bless all that is said and done in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. And uh, we see <clears throat> a young man named Titus here. Of course, that is the name of the book, Titus, Titus. I have a, a nephew named Titus, and uh, um, I love those Bible names, amen? Not all of our family is, has Bible names, but Titus and Silas, uh, Bible names, right? But uh, we see that uh, uh, it's a short book. If you look through it, it's only three chapters, not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of length to the book, but there's a lot of content. Uh, Titus was a Greek Christian. He was an early church leader, and he was also a trusted friend and companion of the Apostle Paul. Titus was led to the Lord by, uh, by Paul, and he became a worker with him, accompanying him and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, from Antioch to Jerusalem. And uh, Titus, when they went to Jerusalem during the Jerusalem Council, Titus was uh, known as in Acts fifteen two. Uh, he was known as the other believers, one of the other believers, because he was not a Jew. He was a what? He was a Gentile, right? And uh, that was important during that time because uh, at the Jerusalem Council, Titus would have been that prime example of a born-again Gentile Christian. See, they were struggling. Could, could you be saved and not be a Jew? Of course, we know that uh, the, the gospel is for all people, amen? And that's why the angels said even uh, to the angel uh, to the shepherds there on the hillside of, uh, of Bethlehem, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And this was good news to all people, right? Not to Jews, uh, but to all people. The Bible says in Romans 1, 16 that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, And also to the Greek and so Tim uh, Titus there with Paul in Jerusalem he was that example of the born-again Gentile Christian Uh, Titus was living proof that circumcision was not necessary for salvation Galatians 2 3 you can read about that Uh, but later Titus went to Corinth to serve in the church at Corinth years later after that Titus and Paul traveled to the island of Crete, where Titus was left to continue strengthening the churches on that island. In this letter, we find that Paul is giving Titus the task of restoring order in those churches on Crete. There was uh, several house churches, a whole network of of Christians on that island, and uh, the Cretan culture was notorious in that in that time one of the greek words for being a liar was kretizo came from the word crete Uh, these people were infamous for treachery and for greed and uh, most of the men on the island had served as mercenary soldiers and the island cities were known as being unsaved they were plagued by violence they were plagued by sexual corruption however The island of Crete had many strategic harbors, and uh, they serviced cities all over the Mediterranean, Um, much like our cities, plagued with violence, plagued with issues. But Paul understood the strategic location. He understood that in order to get the gospel to the most amount of people, you had to go to the cities including the violent ones, too, amen? And uh, so from Paul's point of view, Crete was the perfect place to start churches. We don't know the details, but somehow these churches came under the influence of corrupt Cretan leaders. They said that they were Christians, but they were ruining these house churches. So after a brief introduction uh, that we read here, Paul continues to give Titus clear instructions about the tasks in the church how to lead the churches he offers guidance about the new kind of household and then about the new kind of humanity that the gospel would bring in these communities but i want to just focus on verse number one today we're going to look at two ideas here Uh, but first of all paul's great call he says first of all that he is what look at verse number one paul see it there a what's the next word Servant. Well, I know this book was written by Paul because it says Paul, right? Paul, a servant. This is the only, uh, there's only one book that we might uh, attribute to Paul that doesn't say Paul, and that's the book of Hebrews, right? But Paul wrote this book, and uh, he says Paul a, and he's describing himself a what? What's the word? A servant, Paul, a servant, not just a servant, but a servant of God. And by the way, when you're a servant of God, you're a servant of God's church too. Amen. And your uh, calling, uh, Paul's calling, is to serve God and His church. He was called to be an apostle by Jesus Christ, and he's the only apostle called to the Gentiles specifically. Paul was, uh, first of all, though, a servant. The word there, actually, in the Greek, servant, is doulos. It is the word slave. He's saying that he is a slave of God. That's striking. Why? Because the last thing any of us want to be is a slave to anybody, right? Right? We don't want to be somebody's slave, but that's exactly what Paul claims here. He proudly declares that he is God's slave or servant. He meant, what do you mean by that? He meant he was totally possessed by God. He considered himself God's property. God had seen Paul in the slave market of the world, and he had purchased him. (laughs) He found him in bondage to sin and death and God came and bought his soul God moved with compassion just like when God saved you he moved with compassion towards you you might think well I was I I wasn't God's slave so I was free before I got saved no you were a slave to Satan you were a slave to this world you were a slave to your sin nature But praise God, he brought you and he bought you and he brought you out of that place. He put you on solid footing. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, Paul was now the slave of God. He was totally possessed by God. Uh, What did he mean by that? He meant that his will belonged to God. As Kenneth Weiss says, his will was swallowed up by the sweet will of God. Sometimes people say, well, uh, I don't want to serve the Lord because God uh, takes me through hardship, and God uh, serving God is difficult. But you know, my friend, it's a lot worse out there, isn't it? It's a lot worse to be a slave to sin. It's a lot worse to be a slave to your sin nature and a slave to the devil. Uh, it might look fun at first, but there's always a horrible aftertaste when we get into, uh, into the sins of this life. Amen? But when God owns us, he brings us to the place where sometimes we will struggle and sometimes we will suffer. And the Bible says very clearly, Jesus said, if you live godly, you're going to Uh, suffer, right? Paul said that. But Jesus said if the uh, the Lord is going to suffer, well of course the the servant will suffer. If we're a follower of Jesus, we're going to go through some hard times. But all of that is used by God in His wonderful will and in His providence to bring us to a place where we can be refined and perfected and made more like Jesus. Uh, Paul meant, when he said he was a slave, he meant that he was the highest and most uh, he had the highest and most honored and kingly profession in all the world. He, was, he considered himself to be a, a, a man of God, a servant of God. The greatest men of history have always been called the servants of God. It was a title of high honor. So that word servant there, the word doulos in the Greek means slave, as in a person owned by a master. This is taboo language in our English uh, language. But many times we see it translated servant, bond servant. And even though the word servant is an appropriate English translation, the word slave captures the emphasis of Paul's teaching. We are either slaves to sin or slaves to God. And so God freed us from one master and he in effect, enslaved us to himself. Uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Uh, if you have questions about that, you say, well, we own, we're owned by God. Well, if you're a born-again Christian, yes. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. what? Paul says, I love how he, he starts it off with that one-word sentence. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You don't know that? You don't belong to yourself he says verse 20 for ye are bought with a price he said you don't belong to yourself because you were bought by god with a price what was that price the precious blood of jesus christ jesus died on the cross so that he could redeem us to himself to purchase us with his blood he says because of these things in verse 20 he says therefore Glorify God-y, God with your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Emphasize, right? The, the body, the spirit, they belong to someone else. This, it's not my body anymore. It's God's. This is God's temple. We're not free agents to do as we please. Disregarding whatever our master wants from us, so we have to submit to his ownership He says when we do that Then we're going to have freedom When we understand that we don't belong to ourselves and we belong to God there is actual freedom in that um I think about uh, the kids, you know, they love to have a lot of fun they, uh, out on the playground. How many of you remember being a kid and running on the playground and going to the park? Uh, I remember when I went to my grandma's house in Union Grove, we had to hit all of the parks in their little town. You know, some of them would be just a slide, you know, that was pretty much the extent of the park in their little town. But I loved going to the park, but I thought of a story where these kids were on a playground. Of course, school playgrounds going to be fenced in, right? and you don't want the kids uh, running away or being abducted or something horrible. So they had a fence, and the teachers were out there watching. I heard this story, I don't know if it's a true story, but years ago, and, uh, and that's how I'm gonna phrase it because I don't know if it's true. So it was years ago, right? And years ago, on a school playground, they did an experiment. They had a huge fence around this playground, and the kids would just run and have fun, and they would uh, run all the way up to the fence line. They would get all the, way, all the way up to the fence, and they would look through the fence at all of the city around them. And um, then one day, they took the fence away. Where did the kids play? on the busy st- next up to the next uh, to the busy street where they used to play where that fence used to be the kids they noticed they observed that the kids began to play at the center of the playground because they feared the city they feared the street. the fence was protecting them from the danger but as soon as the fence was taken away now they stay close to the center of the playground. When we come to God and we live in, 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 uh, under his power and under his authority, we find that there is great freedom in the Lord. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, amen? There's liberty. And uh, praise the Lord for that. And when we come to God, sometimes people think, well, if I, if I submit myself to the Lord, then I'm giving up my rights. There is more to be gained there, than you could ever gain by living for yourself and maintaining your uh, supposed autonomy. The Bible says that you, can't serve, uh, uh, you can only serve one master, right? But you're going to have to serve a master. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to serve the devil. So we're not free agents. We don't get to choose what we want to do. We have to submit to his rightful ownership. The believer's slavery to God is no cringing, cowardly, or shameful subjection. I am honored this morning, and you should be too if you're the Lord's. If you're the Lord's servant, if you belong to God, if you belong to Christ, you should be honored to call him Lord and uh, to recognize him as your master. I am honored to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen? Charles Spurgeon said to a group of young ministers, Ministers, if God has called you to be his servant don't stoop to be a king so many of these young people are are rushing out into the world to see how they can make money to see how they can become famous or make a name for themselves because that's what the world's endeavors are to become famous to become wealthy to be prosperous or happy But the great need for the church is for God's people to submit first to the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, God can use some of those other things. He's used famous and wealthy people before, but he only uses those who are submitted to him first. Amen. I'm not saying that it's a sin to be rich. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So our love and our devotion should be, number one, to God. But if God allows you to do other things, praise the Lord for the opportunity to serve God in those other, other avenues. But our first priority and our first love should be the Lord God. Amen? And when you come to Jesus, he needs to be the Lord of all. You need to allow him to be the Lord. There's no area of your life that should be cordoned off where you say, God, you can have everything but that, that area. It all belongs to God. You're bought with a price. Glorify him in your body and your spirit because whether you want to give it to him or not, it is his. So reckon it to be his. Give it to him. Give it over to the Lord. There are some areas this morning where you may not be surrendered fully. May the Lord show you today, where is it that I'm holding back? Where is it that I'm not exercising the faith that God has told me to exercise and take some steps forward? What ministry is it that God has told me to do, but there's something holding me back? Where, where, what uh, addiction or what stronghold is it that I've already told myself, I've resigned myself to, the, to believe that I cannot have victory in this uh, sin. God says that you can be victorious in uh, every area of your life. He has given you power over sin, but you have to submit to him. Let him be the Lord of every area of your life. Sometimes we have those little closets that we say, "Eh, (laughs) yeah, we're gonna clean that out someday, right? How many of you have, well, Ask for a raise of hands. How many of you have a closet or a drawer that's called the junk drawer? How many of you have said, I need to go through this stack of papers, but maybe next week? And you put it over there and it's been months since you've looked at that. And who knows what's in that stack of papers? I'm afraid to look, right? And uh, there's all kinds of places in our personal lives where we kind of just put it off to the side because we don't want to deal with it. But my friend, allow the Lord to have access, give them the keys to every part of your life. Don't keep a junk drawer, okay? So as we, we say, well, just in case, you know, I'm gonna keep, keep something around just in case. My friend, if you surrender to the Lord, give it up to him, give it all to him. That's a big step, isn't it? That's a big step of faith. I've known people that came to the Lord and they, they lived, before they were saved, they lived a life of drinking and when they got saved, they took everything. And they thought through it. Where, where else do I keep alcohol in the house? They got everything. They dumped it all down the train. They were committed. And they, they said, we're getting rid of it all. And, and um, you know, people spend a lot of money on all of those things. And sometimes that's our rationale. That's our reasoning. Well, I spend a lot of money on that. Maybe I could sell it. Maybe I, If you're committed to giving it over to the Lord that is a big step and i think it means something it's a, a a big step of dedication just to throw it out video games or movies or whatever else that you know is hindering your walk with the lord music just throw it out don't have a yard sale just throw it out uh because if you know how yard sales go we don't sell everything at the yard sale i mean not my yard sales because my wife prices things way too high i'm like give it away you want it all right 95% off. You can have it. I'll help you carry it. I'll, I'll drive it to your house or, or whatever. But, you know, we got we to gotta just let the Lord have access to everything. Say, Lord, nothing is going to be hidden from you. From this day forward, I am dedicated. I am yours. I'm consecrated and set apart for you and your use. What could God do if Christians would get a hold of the understanding that we are not our own? And Paul said that he said I am God's servant, and he was proud to, to to have that title. Amen. We should be happy to say I belong to God. John twelve twenty six, if any man serve me, Jesus said, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. I heard I heard a song one time. And it was probably based on a, a poem or something. But uh, what if Jesus came to your house today? What would you have to do if Jesus came to your house? If if anyone came to my house today, we would have to do some cleaning probably and other things, and we'd want to make sure that it looked presentable, right? But sometimes we treat Jesus different than any other guest, being that there are some things that we would be ashamed of in our house. Many of us would be. But think of it this way. Jesus, if you're saved, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He's already in your house. (laughs) I would hope that he's welcome in your home. And nothing really is hidden to God. We should live with that awareness that God is present with us. He sees all. He knows all. So if any man serve me, let him follow me, that where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, let him, uh, him will my father honor Ephesians 6, 6, laboring not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ. We belong to him. And so we should do the will of God from the heart. Not as a hypocrite would, where we're so focused on how we look. We're so focused so many times on how we come across and how, uh, and we project an image that sometimes might not be what's really going on in our heart. And Paul says, What's most important to God is what we do from the heart. Are we serving the Lord from the heart, or are we just serving because we want to be seen of men? He says there in verse number 7, with good, uh, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ, Deuteronomy ten twelve. What doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Psalm one hundred verse two. Serve the Lord with gladness. This is not. A miserable existence. When you serve the Lord and you are uh, serving the Lord from a pure heart and out of love, guess what? Again, freedom. (laughs) There's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, There's a lot of bondage in living to be seen of men. There's a lot of bondage in all of that. There's a lot of uh, misery in in worrying about what people think about you, when you know that your heart is right with God, your creator, the one who loves you, the one that sent his son to die for you, there's a lot of freedom because he's the only one that really matters. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or says. People say and think all kinds of things and sometimes it gets back to us and sometimes it's not a lot of fun to hear what people think and say about us. Uh, But when we know that our heart is right with God, and we are, uh, we are living for him, and we are serving him out of a pure heart, guess what? None of it matters what people say. God is the most important. He is number one. Let us serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Uh, when, when somebody is singing from their heart, they are singing because they're, they're free isn't that wonderful to come to church and know my heart's right with the lord and i can sing these songs out of a pure heart and i can sing to the lord out of a heart of joy and gladness not only does paul consider himself to be a servant or a slave of god number two paul was a representative of jesus look there in verse one paul a servant of god and let's read the next phrase and and what Okay, let's uh, get there to Titus chapter 1, verse 1, or wake up or something. I'm sorry if I put you to sleep, but let's wake up here. Ready? Paul, a servant of God, and what's the next phrase? And an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, the word apostle means a person who is sent out or sent forth. An apostle is a representative an ambassador, right? An ambassador, somebody who represents the government or a king. And uh, John fifteen sixteen, Jesus says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Paul represented Jesus. This very same thing is true, really, for every believer. We have been sent out to be a messenger of the gospel, the good news. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to god we're his ambassadors and representatives we're not representing a man a movement we don't represent the government uh, when we are representing god we aren't to go forth preaching our own thoughts and philosophies we represent the king of kings we're his servant and we're his representative we serve god and we are his uh, mouthpiece on the earth um the ambassador uh, is given a lot of authority and power but he is not to speak for himself he speaks for the king william barclay said the man who preaches the gospel of christ or teaches the truth of christ if he is truly a dedicated soul he does not talk about his own opinions or offer his own conclusions He comes with the message of Christ and with the word of God. The true envoy of Christ has reached past the stage of uh, perhapses and maybes and possiblies and speaks with the accent of the certainty and the authority of one who knows. We have a wonderful message that we're to declare. We're to take the gospel of peace into the whole, whole world. Uh, in ancient times, from what they can dis- what they've discovered in writings, that the uh, ambassadors, though, those that were the diplomats, and those that um, had the task of <coughs> of uh, representing governments and kings in the ancient times, their their mission was to bring the uh, bring the peace, or bring the articles of peace to the governments that were maybe at at war, or were at enmity uh, with the government that the ambassador represented. Their job was uh, not to uh, not to necessarily uh, um, somehow come up with a plan for peace, but their job was to bring the articles from their government and to say this is the plan for peace. That is what God has called us to do. We're not supposed to come up with some kind of philosophy or teaching or belief. We have the answer. We have the answer to the world's problems. Did you know that? And as the world is trying to figure things out, as man continues to try to figure out how to have peace on earth, and it is a futile mission, by the way, because without Jesus, there can be no peace. But as the world tries hard, and even this summer, we saw, uh, I've seen our city Uh, Who we have had just three horrible summers, right? I don't want to make it number four But we've already had a lot of violence in our city this summer But uh, you know people are trying to scramble and try to figure out. How are we gonna fix the problems? they're targeting neighborhoods and trying to uh, put more police presence and trying to to uh, do what they can to to uh, curb the violence BUT WHAT THIS WORLD NEEDS, WHAT THIS CITY NEEDS, IS WHAT THE CITY IS NOT DOING, AND THAT IS COMING TO JESUS. BUT I'M SO THANKFUL THAT SUNDAY WE HAD SOMEBODY COME TO THE LORD JESUS CHRIST AND BE SAVED. SOMEBODY WHO uh, HAD, uh, YOU KNOW, HAD TRIED SOME THINGS, BEEN DOWN A HARD ROAD, AND FOUND, found PEACE WITH GOD. I talked to—I uh, mentioned this a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the men in uh, one of the officers in the police department said that when he, as a believer, when he goes into the community and he comes across people who have uh, who have tried it all—the drugs, they've tried the uh, you know the pills, they've tried the. Uh, They've tried the gangs. I mean, they've been everywhere. They've tried to look for acceptance and love and for pleasure and for uh, an escape from their problems. But they've tried everything. And he says, you know what? You've tried everything, haven't you? And they said, yes. He said, why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you come to Jesus? And he says, you know what? The, what their response is, you know what? You're probably right. That's probably what I need. What an opportunity to give the gospel out and uh, people that have reached rock bottom. But that's unfortunately the last option that people try, isn't it? They want, they say, ah, oh, I, know, I know that, I know that uh, the Bible is God's word. Sure, I believe that. And I know there's probably some truth in there and I know that I should come to Jesus, but you know what, I'm gonna let somebody else try that. That's grandma's religion. You know, that's, uh, that's for people that are, you know, they, they just don't have anything else better to do but i've got this thing i need to go to and i have this thing i want to try and i have my friends that i want to hang out with and i've got all kinds of other options and i'm going to try all those other things to find acceptance love and pleasure and satisfaction Uh, but someday maybe someday i'll try jesus that's why the world is in the condition it's in but we have a message and that's what paul is doing. In his world, in his day, in the early, uh, uh, the first century, in the early church, they, they were sent out by Jesus Christ, just like we are today. Uh, Jerusalem was the hub, right? But out of Jerusalem were many churches planted uh towns and cities the uh epicenters of the world ephesus and rome and uh corinth and uh, the region of galatia asia minor were reached in impact with the gospel because they understood that we are not our own the apostles understood the early christians we're not our own we don't serve ourselves. We're going to hazard our lives for the gospel, and we're going to be that ambassador that God has called us to be. Why don't we as a church get back to doing what they did in the first century, that what we are called, that which we are called to do? We see in Isaiah 6, 8, in the Old Testament, Isaiah says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom shall go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. How about you? Are you willing to go and be that ambassador? dedicated, sold out, given over, servant of God who will be just the mouthpiece, the spokesperson, uh, the instrument that God uses to uh, be that salt and light in your community. In your uh, grocery store, in your workplace, at your restaurants that you go to, at your uh, gatherings, at your friend's house, at your neighbor's house, at your family events. I know it's not always easy, but let us have God's wisdom and God's heart, and may we be the hands and the feet and the mouth uh, of Jesus, if you will. Paul was God's servant. He was a faithful preacher of the gospel, amen? I can get excited about that. I'm excited that Paul, he preached the truth. And uh, sometimes it's hard for us to tell the truth and to preach the truth like we ought to. But Paul did that, and he preached without apology. He preached without compromise. He didn't give up, and he didn't quit. Whenever they threw him in jail, as soon as he got out, what was he doing? Did he take a vacation? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say he did that, but he got out there, and he went back to preaching, amen? Amen. And multiple times we'll read he'd be he was thrown into jail and he would continue preaching in jail. So he served the Lord as a faithful servant. He preached without apology. He preached it straight and true. Preaching has been described this way: a mild-mannered man standing up before mild-mannered people and exhorting them to be more mild-mannered. <laughs> THE TRUE FUNCTION OF PREACHING IS TO DISTURB THE COMFORTABLE AND TO COMFORT THE DISTURBED. SOME ARE TOO COMFORTABLE. SOME OF US ARE IN THAT CATEGORY. WE'RE TOO COMFORTABLE. WE WANT OUR COMFORTABLE PEWS, We want our comfortable schedule. We want our room uh, to be climate controlled. We want our TV. We want our uh, Netflix. We want our whatever, you can fill in the blank, right? We want our social media time. We want our breaks. We want our food uh, in two minutes or less, right? We want a lot of things. We uh, are addicted, I would say, to comfort. But we need to be, become uncomfortable. First week of the police academy, remember the, uh, the man in charge, the officer in charge there was yelling at us, as of course you can imagine, kind of like boot camp. And uh, some people couldn't do the front-leaning rest position. Kind of like the push-up, push you know. And he said, you guys are too addicted to being comfortable. You don't like being uncomfortable. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you're, you don't want to be uncomfortable. And he was right. Because I'm 35 years old, and somehow I could do it, but a 21-year-old kid who's not as big as me couldn't hold up and probably he looked pretty strong. I don't know if he really was strong, but like what's wrong with these kids well the older you get the more you realize you can get through it it's not that hard i mean it is hard but it's not that hard but we don't want to be uncomfortable we have not become inoculated yet to being uncomfortable god doesn't want us to get too comfortable here why because this world's not our home (laughs) <laughs> we're just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So we're not supposed to become too comfortable down here. So the function of preaching is to disturb the comfortable and to comfort the disturbed. There are some people that just need help. They need love. They, need, they do need the comfort because they, have, uh, <clears throat> they, need, they need God's love, right? They need to experience uh, that which that which they do not get in the world. The love of God's people. There's people that come through those doors that we need to be reaching. There's people that are out there that have doors on their houses that we need to be knocking and reaching them out there too. But as people come through uh, our front doors and uh, sit in our pews, we need to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus here and love those that are, uh, that are here. First of all, we need to embrace our identity as a slave of God, a servant of God, a true servant. Not somebody that, you know, checks in with God once a week and says, everything good? All right, now I'm going to go live the way I want to live the rest of the week. When you are a servant of God, you are a 24-7, you are on time, all the time, servant of God. You belong to Him. It's not part-time. It's not... Uh, It is not when I want to, when I feel like it. We are God's servants. Embrace that identity. I belong to him, but there's freedom in that. There's, There's freedom in knowing that I belong to him, but he has me. He has my soul. Number two, we need to serve. Serve the Lord, serve others, serve his church with honor and humility. Rather than seeking positions of power and authority, rather than looking for a title, why don't we just do some work for the Lord? So many people are so focused on getting credit for everything. I can't remember who said it. I think it was last week, but I um, don't remember who, who had this quote, but it was to the effect of if people didn't care who got the credit, a lot more would get done, right? Think about how much would get done if people weren't so worried about getting, uh, having their title and having their name recognized. So, serve in honor and humility. Guess what? It doesn't matter what people think, God is keeping score. He's the one that we're supposed to love and serve. He's the one that we do it for, anyways. Uh, so, rather than seeking positions of power and authority, we need to adopt that servant's heart. Jesus em- exemplified this. He came from heaven's glory and he became a man, he humbled himself. Why don't we do that? Follow in his steps and then live as messengers, ambassadors of Christ. We're his representatives. We're, we're God's image bearers. But so many of us, are, uh, we are covering up the light of the gospel. That's not how that works. We're supposed to be that reflection of God's truth and God's light. The light of Jesus should shine through us. We should not be obscuring the message in any way. Uh, Our lives should reflect the character and teachings of our Savior. It's not our message. It's His good news. It's His gospel. Our confidence comes from knowing that we are sharing the words of God. So we need to stand firm on the truth and we need to speak forth the truth in love. When it becomes uncomfortable to speak the truth, just ask God for help. Say, God, this is the right thing Your word says that this is the right path. And it's not easy for me to say this. It's not easy for me to take a stand because it seems like everybody, even even people who claim to be Christians, are standing against me and they're fighting me. But God, give me the strength to stand and be that confident, bold messenger of truth. Speak and live with conviction We'll see Paul's purpose next week. Father, I do pray that you would bless today. I pray that you would help us, Lord, as we have looked at your word, and just two thoughts that are just almost, I would say, uh, just a part of a title. Not necessarily the main message of Titus, but I think it's important to see who Paul declared himself to be. Because Paul was a beautiful example of a Christian. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to look to Jesus, number one, to see Christ. May we be be, uh, more like Jesus. But God, I think of Saul, or Paul here, who was Saul. But Paul, who when he became a believer, he considered himself to be a slave, a servant of God. That's a clear teaching in Scripture, and Lord, help us to have that same kind of heart. Help us to be also not just a, uh, a Christian who stands on the sidelines. We might be ready, but Lord, help us to be engaged. Help us to do that and be that ambassador, the uh, servant, but also the apostle or messenger of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you give us that boldness that we need. I ask that you would work in any hearts here, Lord, that um, are needing to be saved. Anybody here that needs to be saved, Father, I pray that you would continue convicting them their need of salvation this morning. I pray that you bless all that is said and done in our time of Lord's Supper in just a moment. But I ask for this invitation that you would help us to be stirred and to change where we need to change. Whatever it is, Lord, that we're holding back from you, help us to give you the keys. Help us to open up those compartments and say, Lord, you can have everything, even the junk, even the things that I think are impossible, even the things that I can't overcome. Lord, help us to have faith that says, with me, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Father, I pray to you, bless. In Jesus' name.